Charlie, I'm not sure you know this, but you and I have a personal connection to the singer-songwriter of the album that we're talking about today, Amy Mann. I did not know that. Well, you're about to find out. I mean, it depends on your definition of personal connection. Is personal connection having listened to an Amy Mann album? Because then, yes, I did know that. Okay, well, this is earlier than what you're expecting. Okay. While we were unwittingly growing up in the halcyon Reaganite fever dream of the 1980s, our parents <laughs> were really quite connected to that mostly harmless but definitely catchy of all emerging musical genres, adult-oriented rock, or mm, AOR yes. for short. Local Minneapolis, St. Paul radio stations like 97.1, Cities 97, oh, yeah. brought forth a number of popular and just a shade darker than uh, light artists, like L-I-T-E, light. Uh, artists and bands that you and I have heard a lot of, mostly in spite of ourselves. So, a multiple-choice question for you, Chaz. Which of these female-fronted bands did Amy Mann front before she started a solo career? Oh man! Yep. Let's see how let's see how you do. So A. Yeah, all right. A. The Bangles. B. Heart. C. The Go Go's. D. Tell Tuesday. Or E. Blondie. Clearly not Blondie. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I, I figured I'd throw, you, I'd throw you a cheesecake on that. Throw you a little cake. Yeah, okay. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Till Tuesday. Oh, you're right. How'd you know that? Yay! You clearly didn't know like, that. I didn't, I, I didn't, I honestly didn't know, but that one, like, it rang a little tiny bell in yeah. my back of my brain. <laughs> and I just went with it. I thought that was enough. Uh, I really, I really would have been shocked if it was the Go Go's. I knew it wasn't the Bangles either. No. No, the Bengals is. Last, I forget where your last one was. That one I wasn't sure what. Back in the Heart. day, I Heart. back in the day I thought it was the Bengals. For a while, I thought Amy Mann was from the Bengals, but that's not true. Oh, well. It's a uh, it's Tell Tuesday. Anyway, Jazz, we're not talking about Tell Tuesday or the Bengals or anything. We're talking about Amy Mann's 2017 album Mental Illness and Everything's Different Now on this edition of Louder Than Sound. Welcome to everyone's favorite show, Louder Than Sound. Our first and only question for the contestants is... What's louder than sound? Theoretical noise particulates from the 15th dimension? What's louder than sound? Uh, nothing, Alex, because of course this is a theoretical question. What's louder than sound? What is two brothers, who are mostly similar, but sometimes dissimilar taste in music, asking each other to listen to and absorb some of their favorite music albums based on idiosyncratic themes that they likewise force each other to consider? That's louder than Once again, to Louder Than Sound, I'm Charlie, I am one of your hosts, our other host, Jake, will be taking the reins today for our uh, our third in a series, the first time we've gone with three, or there's going to be a fourth one too, spoiler yeah. alert. Hold on, hold on to your hats for that. Uh, albums we got into in 2020, That's now right. that does not necessarily mean they came out in 2020, uh, Jake kicked things off with one that did come out in 2020, yeah. by Kiel yeah. Elzebuck. I followed things up by one that came out in 1986 from Arthur Russell. And now we're going much more current with 2017 for Amy Mann. Mm -hmm. uh, now, we talked a little bit in previous episodes about how we came upon, uh, how you find music. And in this, in this day and age when you can find whatever you want wow. to. At your fingertips. And uh, 
we've talked about we both got into Apple Music this year, which was a big it's a big step for us. I wasn't sure I'd ever go streaming, but here we are. Boom. And um, I use Jake Hughes used it to listen to a lot more more recent music. You really got into new music in general, I think. Yeah, I think it, it enhanced my new music listening experience, which was already strong, but now it's like I can just check something out commercial yeah. free and like really give it a listen before I uh, make a decision about it. And I really was I was like digging deep. I was like crate diving. Mm. But, you know, in digital streaming mode, which isn't nearly as cool, but, you know, also easy. <laughs> so there's that. And so I listen to a lot of music. I, I think I listen to way more music, in particular from the 50s to the 80s. Mm. And uh, one of my big projects over the summer is I built a shed, which I told the kids is a, is a playhouse because they're going to be bored with it really soon. And then it's going to become a shed. So I just built a shed to begin with. You know, mm. let's not mess around. Way to go. I listen to a ton of music in the yard. And uh, I found that I, I wanted to listen to music that wasn't quite so strange for my neighbors purpose you know to keep up good relations with my neighbors but um so that's not all true i listen to a lot of other stuff too but um i came upon a lot of albums some of them are really obvious albums i just never really gave a listen to some are much deeper and you know but um, i want to share a list of some other albums i really thought about sharing on uh, these episodes because they're albums that i got really excited about at some point in 2020 you know what? Uh, two, two things. So one, yeah. I just want everyone to know that I helped ever so minimally with that shed. I mean, playhouse. I hammered some nails yeah, into did. it. Yep. Well, you helped lift the really heavy wall. That one was really. I need really need. That's you true. For that. That's true. That's why you. The that's why I you could would, have done, but it would have taken me longer. The the wall I could not do without you. That's why you had me halfway across the country was just to lift that wall. You could find nobody yeah. else to help you. I understand. Yep. I understand. I could have, Jake. I didn't want anyone else. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, yeah. happy new year, Chaz. Yeah. Happy new year to you. Yeah. Uh, this episode is going live well after new year, but I don't care. It's I know. Right. Happy. It's still a new year. All right. So here's some albums I was listening to a lot this year. James Brown, Live at the Apollo. Oh, That's a really obvious beautiful. one that I just never listened to. I don't beautiful. Know. Chuck Berry's Berry is on top. Another one that I just never really got into. Okay. Sure. Fela Kuti's Zombie. Yes. Good one. Nina Simone, I put a spell on you. Great. I love Nina Simone. I just had never listened to that particular album by her. Great one. Uh, Noi, Noi 75. Okay, less good. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you were doing so <laughs> I well. I know we take a turn here. You were, you were impressed for a little while. Oh, I was, I we'll was. We'll come back around, possibly. Okay. Uh, Ryuchi Sakamoto, The Thousand Knives of Ryuchi Sakamoto. Oh, that's a great name. You still name. know what that is. Don't know what to think. Kids, cool. Great name for Hiroshi something. Hiroshi Yoshimuro, Green. That's a really sweet, ambient album. Prince, 1999. Oh, wow. Prince. Uh, Alain Gorgur, La Planète Sauvage, the soundtrack, which has a surprising link to uh, my pick for the next I was going to say, episode. that sounds familiar. Uh, Blondie, Blondie's first oh, album. Oh, no kidding. Blondie. Uh-huh. Okay. Blondie featuring Deborah Harry, not featuring Angry Man. No. <laughs> and uh, John John Cale's Paris, 1919. Oh. That, one, that one's the most recent one. I've been listening to that one a lot. I like wow. that one a lot. That's a pretty eclectic list there, man. Pretty eclectic. Yeah, I'm proud of that. Thanks for sharing. Uh, yeah, streaming has helped that to become even more eclectic than I was before. That's right. That's I right. Even it. more annoying to your neighbors in this this coming summer. Well, you know, I left the I let the Ryuchi Sakamoto just play in the house. You know, you I, didn't, I didn't bring that. I didn't bring that out in the yard. Nice. You nice. gave them some James Brown and some Chuck Berry, and they were happy for it. They they thanked me for it. They thank know? you, sir. You know, they just leaned over the fence and said, "Hey, <laughs> you're all right." <laughs> You? You're all right you, by us. You? You're all right. We're going to stop egging your house. We we promise now. <laughs> Weird neighbors you got. Uh, I'm slightly less mad about the hammering that's been going on for the last 
eight weeks. Ah, uh, well, that was that was you too hammering that shed. You know, we're all. Well, that's what I'm saying. This was them all... talking to me about how they were they're ready oh, to forgive me over all the constant I hammering. I understand. Because of a little, because of sweet, sweet James Brown. Yeah, yeah, and there, there he is healing wounds. He's worth forgiving a lot of things. Before, it's just healing, know? healing wounds like normal. Just yeah, yeah. Bringing America together. Thank you. That's what he did. Thank you. It makes does. me think of Rocky yeah. Four, but that's another podcast. For now, we're going to talk about Amy Mann. And uh, particularly that she is a bit of a badass, Chaz, Amy Mann is. Yeah. Uh, she's yeah. both an indus- music industry lifer, but also sneakily subversive independent. And she keeps doing interesting things and making great music um, all the way up to today. Although um, three years ago was her last album, and the one that we're talking about today, Mental Illness. Uh, she dropped out of college uh, to pursue a music career with her then-boyfriend Michael Hausman by forming the aforementioned Tell Tuesday. And just yes, two years after forming, they had the number eight song on the Billboard Hot 100 chart, right oh, out yeah. of the gate, uh, with a single from their first album, both named Voices Carry. The video would also win the MTV Video Music Award for Best New Artist. Can you sing us a few bars of this song, Jake? I'm not placing um, it. You know what? I'm not placing it. You know what? Um, I, I can't think of it right now either. Okay. This is like kind of a song classic of the 80s, like a, a hot yeah. hit of the 80s. And I... Even though our parents were were into Tell Tuesday, or at least Mom was, um, I don't remember that song very well. Yeah. I remember their last hey, I'm, album. I'm gonna reach out to the fans really quick here. Yeah. If you want to contact us with the uh, like by humming a few bars, maybe of that song. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the address is louder than sound podcast at gmail.com. Uh huh. And uh, keep in mind, your your English teacher will remind you how to spell than. It's the comparative than, oh. so it's T H A N, not T H E N. Oh no, louder than sound podcast at gmail.com please continue thank you professor will do um the the song won the uh no matter what it sounded like won the won the mtv video music award for best new artist uh way back when that sort of thing meant a whole lot uh in the mid 80s for mtv that was their time um and uh and so the band and in particular man as lead singer and songwriter were pretty white hot you know star yeah well yeah um, so much yeah. so that they couldn't possibly sustain it. And besides, man didn't really fit into the, quote, hot female rock star mold like Madonna and wasn't quite as quirky and irreverent as Cindy Lauper. Uh, <laughs> um, I expected to hear Amy Mann and Cindy Lauper in the same Well, sentence. you know, they're all hot, you know, hot, and I don't mean that, like, good-looking, but I mean, like, um, you know, successful uh, 80s yeah. female yeah. singers. Yeah. Um, the band itself was ostensibly... Where does Tina Turner come into this conversation? Wow, she's, 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 she's the hottest of all. Ask for a friend. She's, she's the hottest <laughs> she's the of all. She's the beginning and the end of that conversation. Now, to be clear, I didn't compare her to every female rock star, pop star in the 80s. Okay, so. all right. So there's probably, all right. A few, there's probably a few I may have left out. I shouldn't have with Tina Turner, though. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, the uh, Till Tuesday was ostensibly new wave, but not as prickly or sexual as Blondie, and not as interested in being shiny pop stars like the Bangles were. They had three albums. How many more references do you think we can get to uh, Blondie and Deborah Harry? I don't know. This is the third one. Like a, I mean, well, I mean, okay, I saw. I'm going to stop interrupting you quite so often. Yeah. Well, how Blow about you know? At the very least, could you just yell Deborah Harry or something? You know, just so I know. Deborah Harry. <laughs> Debbie Harry. Um, they had three albums, the last of which was in 1988, called Everything's Different Now. Um, and that's the song and the album that I remember. Um, okay. If you go and listen to that one, you'll hear, like, my entire early aware childhood. Um, I picture them being more into the early 90s. Like, if you'd asked me, hey, when was Till Tuesday's last yeah. album? I would have guessed, like, 1993 or something. I think it was 1990 is what it ended up being. No, actually, 88. They broke up in 90. 
Yeah. You just said 88. Yeah. Seconds ago. And I was right. But I was also right that they broke up in 1990. So no, okay. they're not, they're not anything to do with the early nineties, which is interesting. Okay. Um, I, I remember that album so well, um, because it had to be a big favorite of moms in particular. Uh, yeah. that's, that's where the cities 97 connection comes in. I'm mm-hmm. sure that was just blaring on cities 97. <laughs> um, anyway, Amy Mann embarked on a solo career after that in 1990, um, stating that her band, quote, were sort of doing like post new wave dance pop stuff. I started to feel like it was not really my thing. Acoustic guitar music was what I was more influenced by and what came naturally to me, end quote. So she tried throughout the 90s to sell uh, sell records on her own, um, doing her own thing, uh, but was seen as a, quote, 80s pop casualty, end quote. Um, mm, which that's, you know, that must have stung a little to hear something like that when you're trying to make it. Right. Um, but she and her former Tell Tuesday bandmate, John Bryan, who produced some of her solo albums and... Uh, Wait, who, John Bryan, like the... Yeah. The compo- How did I not know all these connections there? I, I didn't know, know either know. one of them had anything to do with, yeah. with uh, Till Tuesday. Yeah, John Bryan ended up scoring a whole bunch of movies. He's worked Oh yeah, with, he's got some great music. He does. He does. Instrumentally and as like a producer with people. Man. Blowing my mind here, Jake. That's what I'm here Keep for. It Keep it rolling. All right, let's see what else we could go, come up with here. I got a few red cells left, and I want them exploded also. All right. Hey, you only got a couple left. Let's explode without, without drugs. Without the use of drugs. Yes, it should be said. Um, so she and John Bryan, um, who produced some of her early solo albums, um, both broke through in their own right by writing songs and recording songs for Paul Thomas Anderson's film Magnolia in 1999. Okay, yep. So John Bryan did some, at least some of the, you know, wordless score, like songless score. Um, but Amy okay. Mann did um, the the singing songs. Besides a couple of okay. Super Tramp for some weird reason. <laughs> Why it's not? A, it's an odd soundtrack. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, I don't think I knew. I didn't know John Bryan was involved with that, but I definitely yeah. had that connection to Magnolia with Amy Mann. For yes. Sure. And John Bryan has done other of Paul Thomas Anderson's um, film scores. I think. Okay. Most notably for Punch Drunk Love was his. Yeah, Punch Drunk Love. I know him for. He did. That's great music. I love that. Yeah. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Um, so, in fact, besides garnering Oscar nominations for the song "Save Me," the film, which is really beautiful and tragic, and super overindulgent and long at the same time, <laughs> um, it's a great movie. It's just. I haven't seen it. It's a lot. You should watch it, man. You. Well, it seems like I. Yeah, we don't get to movies very often these days. You know? I know, and it it is kind all of a, it is kind of a, kids around the house. It is kind of a beast. Crap our style. It's very it's very heavy. You know, get ready. Yeah, but it's really good. Um, the entire movie was inspired entirely by Amy Mann's music. So Paul wow. Thomas Anderson was really into her as a early solo act, and he started thinking about making this huge epic, you know, personal movie because of her music. And so she, yeah. So they used the songs that he was thinking of. Because uh, they were from, um, I think there were demos or something from previous places. But anyway. Um, and so besides being an unqualified success and finally a career builder, this is where uh, and when I discovered Amy Mann for myself was on the soundtrack. Um, yeah. I remember her contributions to the, to, the, to the movie. I had discussions with college friends about her and her music. And her song, Wise Up, affected me enough that I put it on one of our legendary Christmas compilations, Jazz. Ooh. Best of two thousand. Best of two thousand. What are they then? Two thousand to two thousand four. Okay. Yeah, because the film came just, out. In that was 2000. just the one we did last year. That was just last year's. No, that was two years ago. We did five to nine. Wait, last that's, year. What? We did twenty ten to twenty fourteen last year. Wait, you, I don't remember what you just said. It's two thousand to two thousand four. Oh, okay. I was. Yeah. You said that in my head. You said twenty twenty to twenty fourteen. 
All right. Well, that was a couple of years back. That was that was yeah. three years ago. Anyway, I, I remember we had a anyway. com- we had a conversation about it because you're like I've never seen that movie and I didn't believe you then and I don't believe you now. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> but um, however much I loved and internalized the Magnolia soundtrack, I just fell quietly out of love with the rest of Man's music. I didn't oh. I didn't really follow her. It wasn't for anything oh, she know. did. Yeah, yeah. You know, I always gave her subsequent Things albums happen. a shot, but either they didn't catch me as much or I didn't give them enough of a chance. I don't yeah. even own a single physical copy of any of her albums, despite wow. despite that. Um, until this year, that is, for reasons that I'm actually forgetting right now, probably to do with this fresh Apple Music subscription, um, I listened to Mental Illness from 2017, which is her latest album to date, and I was once again hooked for many of the same reasons I suspect is what drew me to her in the first place. But more on that later, Chaz. First, I must rate what exactly you will score this album on a right. scale of negative five to five. Let's I can it. tell that you continue to not have any relationship with man whatsoever that you know of. More connections to come, maybe. Um, having told me once that you never even saw Magnolia, and you just told me that again. <laughs> um, I once you mean like two minutes ago. <laughs> it was probably less than two minutes, Chaz, to be fair to me. Um, the, the music is pretty easy on the ears and therefore perhaps easy to ignore for someone like yourself who enjoys difficult music. <laughs> uh, but I also think... And it, James Brown. And, and James Brown. Not difficult music. Um, also Blondie. And Get Blondie. Married. That's kind of... you once again. That's pretty poppy. You're right, you're right, you're right. <laughs> um, but this album also has deeper lyrical content that one might expect and concerns on the whole a subject that you're personally familiar with. And this album makes no bones about it. I couldn't imagine that it would offend you, which makes me think it could be a middling review from you musically, but I'm hoping it struck a slightly deeper chord than that, which is why I think you will give it a healthy and respectful plus 1.0. Okay. Okay. All right, well, here I go. Boom. So my first thought about Amy Mann is her appearance on Portlandia. Yes, which I also remember. It's awesome. Which is just, for those at home, she uh, is a house cleaner, if I'm remembering right. Because she has to right. like make a little extra money. I think that's right. There's a there's a memorable note moment where she uh, it goes outside and you know Sarah McLaughlin is like <laughs> mowing the shrubs. Or whatever. She's yeah, she's like the gardener or something. And so this this she's like she's just the housekeeper for this uh, not even housekeeper, just house cleaner. You know, coming yeah. in once a week for this this yes, family. That's that's and right. then, uh, they set her up to do a concert in their living room. It's hilarious. Anyway, this album, uh, I enjoyed it overall. Okay. I found it to be stately, mm, tasteful, stately. mature, and elegant. Yep. You're, right. It reminded me a heck of a lot of The National. Oh, okay. Like a lot in a lot of different ways. There's a little more country edge to it. In particular, it's the acoustic guitar instead of electric guitar. Right. But in a lot of different ways, like the song structures felt like them. Like some of the songs, uh, what was it? Simple Fix. Mm-hmm. I felt like that could have been the national with a different, you know, okay. with different with uh, what's I his can name? See that. I can't think of that. I can't think of the main the vocalist. Matt Berninger. There you go, that guy with mm-hmm. him singing like three octaves lower because he has the lowest voice in rock and roll. Sorry, yes, he does. <laughs> um, and the songs were just like slow and depressing, like them. Not given surprising, given the title, but that was a like a big. And I never, I, I don't connect those two. I don't think of those two as being similar. But this album, I felt like a yeah, lot. Like I can, I can see that. I, I guess I didn't make that connection either, but I can see that. It's got a pretty straightforward uh, instrumentation, acoustic guitar in every track, bass, drums, piano strings on most tracks, and some combination therein. 
Um, there's a lot to like about this album. It's a very confident, mature album. Like, this is somebody who is not, you know, a 22-year-old doesn't make this album. No you know? way, this man. Is, this is somebody in their 40s, you know? 50s? Yeah. I don't know how old she is. 40s, 50s, seems like that. I think she just turned 60. Really? I think so. I think so. Wow. I might be, yeah, well, I'm pretty uh, sure. Wow, yeah, okay. Well, you know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, uh, my top tracks on, on this were Goose Snow Cone. Yes. Uh, Patient Zero, which I definitely have heard on the radio on the current... Oh, okay. Indie radio station in the Twin Cities. I definitely yeah. heard that one a couple oh, cool. times. Oh, okay. Simple Fix, the, the one I mentioned before, I particularly like that one. Uh, my biggest criticism is that it starts to feel, feel pretty samey mm. pretty quick. Mm, okay. It's a very similar mood and, and a tone and very similar tempo, tempo across all the songs. With that said, it does not overstay its welcome. It's not one of those that does this for an hour, like the two or three most recent the national albums Ooh. for instance yeah. <laughs> all of which especially, could, you know, could use the a good one. pruning the last one was like 70 for those. It was like 74 minutes long their last one i don't know they're all like an hour long and they just all yeah. should be like 40 minutes long and then yeah. they just you know all they're 40 minutes long they'd be better all i love the national killer. but me too me too yeah, it's, it's yeah it's mostly killer some filler on their albums so um, so overall, I really liked it. I actually gave it a 1.5. So I okay, it. all right. Yeah. Uh, a no, pleasant, I pleasant bump I could really, there. I could see that one. Like, I could see that taking, you know, capturing somebody in a certain place and like, yeah, it's a good like sad walking album. That's right. You know, yep. You're really going out for like a sad walk. Yeah, yeah that, that'd be a good album for you, right <laughs> if there. If you, you need know? yourself you know a nice sad saying? walk, I do. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. do. Yeah. I take. Yeah. Four or five sad walks every day now. Well, I, I take a lot of walks. And let's help you with the pandemic of sad walks, of you know? So. <laughs> oh, the neighborhood's man. good for sad walking, you know? Yeah, I understand. There's no sidewalk, so you're in the middle of the street all the time. Yeah. Some, and, it, like, it's poignant, you know? It, it helps with the sad walking. Sometimes I just go listen to the birds chirp, Jess, in the rain. No. Yeah, sad walking. <laughs> sad walking. Well, sad walking. <laughs> Well, I'm going to sad walk into my explanation of what I hey, discovered about uh, Amy Mann's mental illness. Um, so I love, you described the sound of the album very well. Um, and and the, the reference you made to the national, I think, is pretty apt. Um, it's really clean and clear acoustic guitar, surrounded by various pianos and tasteful string arrangements. So tasteful. Very tasteful. Yeah, minimal. Per- in a positive, I feel like tasteful can be a very uh, negative word. The word of the day is tasteful. Tasteful. Mm. Uh, there's minimal protection. Stately. It's, it's also stately, Jake. Yeah, it's stately, but tasteful. Stately and tasteful. <laughs> um, uh, there's minimal c- percussion on it, which kind of makes it sound yeah. even less edgy or whatever. Um, and then her voice, which is distinctive without being odd or off-putting. Um, and I think that's the part that can be a little forgetful on the first listen, um, or what kind of drags on for you, um, or the part that doesn't grab you right away, despite it being very gorgeous, like all the way around. Yeah, I'll so, say that. I listened to it. I listened to it twice, both times on walks. Sad walks. Sad walks. <laughs> and I liked it more the second time. Like yeah. I just started to grab that and get the the feel for the right. chord progressions, right. and yeah, I enjoyed it more the second time. Yeah, because it does definitely seem of a mood. It like, starts to you dig wouldn't in put a that on bit. all the time. Get under get under your skin a little bit. Yep. Yeah. It's that type of album, yeah. which the National do every time too. Um, so what ended up besides that um, seeping through for me and the music critics that gave it good reviews at the time. Um, is what everyone seems to have a hard time articulating well, um, which is how melancholy it is, but uplifting somehow mm-hmm. at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very em- empathetic, uh, but it's all about chronicling yeah. confusing or sad situations, like all the way around, you know? Um, so here's just some of the words critics at the time used in their struggle to describe it. 
We had, quote, sad and folky, quote, the musical equivalent of washing your mouth out with soap, which I didn't really get that one. Yeah, I don't agree with that. Yeah, that's that's a little much. Uh, quote, intimate and reflective. Quote, uh, yes. suggests intelligence and mania at the same time. Tunefully yeah, okay. tracing elegant despair and a warm plush comforter to crawl into when the self-pity stops working, which is my favorite way. Yeah, right. no, I like that. That, that yeah. definitely describes it. I like that, yeah. All right, so that's your favorite one, too. I was going to ask you which of those was your favorite one. Yeah, the last one, yeah. yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not mouthwashing out with soap. That that feels like you would be punishing yourself. It's I know, like, it sounds it sounds very bracing. Like, listen, to, I don't this is the opposite of bracing. <laughs> like, how would you punish yourself? I don't know. I don't know. Wash your own Just, mouth out with soap? Is anyone actually ever... Wash your ever... own mouth out with soap? You'd have to, like, do something really uh, abrasive or it's, awkward. It kind of sounds like a sick burn the more I hear it. I don't <laughs> yeah, really know. Well, was that a bad review? I'm not waiter, sure. I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, so I love that plush comforter metaphor. And maybe it's the particulars of 2020 being whatever it is for me. Oh, yeah. They got me into this album and kept me coming back for more. Yeah, I can see that. Um, it's very comforting, but it also doesn't shy away at all from dark and confusing subjects and people and situations. It, in fact, chronicles exclusively those types of narratives. It's not comforting and an everything's going to be okay way, but it also doesn't explore nihilism or negativity or anger or even judgment. It's not even resignation or hopelessness. Um, uh, quietly or openly, um, she creates a real and actual empathy uh, around, around the characters that she speaks of. Um, so I myself have found myself just wondering what people are thinking when they do or say things that I can't believe they're doing and feel helpless when I can't stop them. Um, um, but that I just don't understand fundamentally why we are living in like alternate realities. Some of us, I don't know if you know, I don't know if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I think you do. I think you do. Um, and it's not even that these songs concern horrible people, but they just tell the subject's story maybe from a perspective that I wouldn't have expected. So to wit, the song patient zero is about man and her husband meeting, um, which actor in 2013, I got a quick multiple choice for you here. So the song Patient Zero was written specifically about a meeting that she had with one of these actors. A, Tobey Maguire. B, Andrew Garfield. C, Tom Holland. Or D, (laughs) Miles Morales. These are all all actors who who have played or voiced Spider-Man. No, it's not. It's not? It's not. It's Andrew Garfield. No, Oh, that was wow. really you just blurted out the answer you didn't even uh, pretend yeah. to think about it come, come on, on come on I worked hard I, I, I had to look up all the Spider-Men that was, that was I don't know, even know like much about Andrew Garfield except that he was Spider-Man in two movies I've not seen have you not seen The Social Network? I, seen the so- I said Spider-Man movies I haven't seen yes oh, I have seen oh, 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 I see I, see I saw the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies and I've seen the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies but well, not seen the Andrew Garfield because they're supposed to be awful <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I haven't seen them either. I'm just saying that she met Andrew Garfield. I did see Social Network, though. Yeah, great movie. I love that one. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, it was. Um, so back back to the task at hand here. Uh, man said that Andrew Garfield was, quote, obviously kind of freaked out about the vibe of being in that rarefied movie star atmosphere. Um, so she just thought this interaction was weird, and she went and wrote a song. Uh, from his perspective, you know, about something that she thought he might be thinking. Um, And speaking of the ultimate brand of empathy, during the same sessions for mental illness, she wrote and recorded a song about then-presidential hopeful Donald J. Trump called Mm, 
Can't you tell? <laughs> He's still around, isn't he? What's he doing these days? <laughs> um, which follows the same lyrical arc of the narrator explaining something about themselves that you wouldn't necessarily expect. Um, which in this case was, and I think this is, I think this is like partly true. Um, she surmised at the time that he didn't want to be president and that he was just putting on a show and he was going to make a whole bunch of money, but he would never get elected. But then he somehow got elected. And there have been, I've read more legitimate news articles. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. like very, very much more recently since the New York Times released his tax returns, that kind of thing. Like, yeah. That it was just a matter to help himself out financially because right. he was in you know, dire straits, and then all of a sudden this yeah. like somehow happened. Yeah. Yeah, and there's yeah, and he didn't even want that, and so that was something she was surmising at the time. And yeah, in, interesting. In 2016. Interesting. So that was that, you know that's pretty empathetic. And very then, perceptive. Uh, very perceptive. Well, way to go, Amy, man. Wait. Um, outside of the song, Man describes Trump as quote repugnant, and this is in 2016, by the way. <laughs> repugnant, but I think he's miserable. He's a miserable person looking for outside solutions to internal problems, and I can hmm. certainly relate to that. Interesting. Yeah. So. Man. She, I know, Miss Mrs. Empathy. She just. Man, yeah. No, put herself I'm, in those shoes. I'm personally no no fan of Donald Trump, but yeah, I'm. I'm I know. Here. Yeah. More empathetic. Well, yeah. Interesting. I wonder what she'd say now. I'm not I'm sure. Something <laughs> must have changed. Um, single know. single lyric lines abound throughout the album for me. None more than the opening track. Um, which is uh, the Goose Snow Cone, um, which yep. has been stuck in my head for like nine months. Yeah, it's a good one. Got to keep it together. Add that on my list, yep. Yeah, it's a good one. Got to keep it together when your friends come by. About a person who is struggling quietly with mental illness, but not the dramatic, passionate, drug-fueled, or clinically, quote, insane version. The version that we often see in movies and TV shows, uh, but that we rarely come across in our real lives. The kind of mental illness she seems to refer to and describes is the kind that we not only recognize in others, like our children or spouses or friends, but ourselves. When we're in tough seasons of life, no matter how, quote, normal things are, for days when things seem strange and wrong, when we feel horribly overwhelmed and lonely despite ever not being alone anymore. I don't know about you. Jake, I don't know. I don't know why that said that like strikes a chord in twenty twenty. <laughs> I know this is what no, I'm saying. Too, Jake. Come on, <laughs> that's not how I feel. Every you just minute. described every person on the planet. Whew. Well done, Amy. Yeah. <laughs> um, this last year, I don't know about you, but this last year has illuminated my own fragile mental state and weird interior life like nothing else I can remember. And I feel like this album was prescient and supportive of that realization, like three years, you know, two years, three years mm -hmm. before I even had it. Um, and so I'm very glad that I rediscovered Amy Mann's mental illness. And while I'll probably drop like 40 bucks on the limited vinyl version this year, just to stare into that entrancing artwork. Did you like the artwork? Do you remember? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's like this like, yeah, blobby yeah, monster or something looking through it's the woods. It's kind of goofy, yeah. It is goofy. I love it. Um, <laughs> I'm giving it a healthy 3.5 out of 5 on yeah. a scale of uh, negative 5 to 5. Okay. Loved it. Got into it. Thanks for thanks for sharing with us, Jake. Hey, no problem. Thanks for listening. Hey, next episode we're gonna get a little lighter. Let's go lighter. Let's go lighter. With one other album I listen to a lot while working on the shed out in the yard, and that is an album from 1968, a French album called Bonnie and Clyde, by two French legends. Bridget Bardot and Serge Gainsbourg. Serge. Thought, I've, been, I've been thinking it was Serge for years, but yeah. in research this, I discovered it's actually Serge. I thought it was Serge. No. So I'm Serge, double, yeah, I'm I double Serge. wrong. Double wrong. It's Serge. Serge. Serge Gainsbourg. So join us again next Friday for Louder Than Sound. <laughs>